Hey, I'm Sam. Hi, I'm Ashley. And you're listening to All Bodies, All Foods, presented by the Renfrew Center for Eating Disorders. We want to create a space for all bodies to come together authentically and purposefully to discuss various areas that impact us on a cultural and relational level. We believe that all bodies and all foods are welcome. We would love for you to join us on this journey. Let's learn together. Hey, Sam, how are you? Hi, Ashley. I'm great. How are you? Oh, I'm so good. It's so good to talk to you again and um, yeah, do the do the podcast again. <laughs> yes, we're back. We're back. We're back. Yes. So I, I was thinking that maybe today we could talk a little bit about um, how we or, or maybe even teach some of our viewers how to support somebody with an eating disorder um, or even with some disordered eating. I know that we're seeing a lot of that um, just kind of culturally coming at us, you know? Yes. Um, and yes. so just wanted to see your thoughts about talking about that today. Yes. I. It's one of the most common questions I get on yeah. social media, in the comments. I get direct yeah. messages about it. And uh, we've written blogs about it. We've done yeah. posts about it. Let's make an episode on it so that people know what to do. Yeah. I, people want to help. And I think one of the fears is they're afraid they're going to make it worse. Yeah. I think you're right with that. Yeah. So let's talk about how to support someone with an eating disorder or disordered eating, which is yeah. very common, unfortunately. Yeah. And I just just want to, you know, sort of normalize the fear of yeah. saying the wrong thing. Yeah. And and also that it's okay to mess up. Yeah. We can talk about that too. Yeah. Yeah. I I absolutely love this topic because I think when people um first even learn about an eating disorder, um, whether it's a loved one that has it, whether it's themselves that have it, um, you know, it they can kind of get um a little nervous or scared that they're going to say the wrong thing, that they're going to maybe imply something that they don't mean to imply or um, step on toes. And, and, and sometimes it feels like they're walking on eggshells and you and I have both worked with um, clients and their families in this, or their support persons, whoever. Um, And so just from the get go, um, I think it's really important um, to just bring in the word grace in this mm. opportunity of of educating oneself that's another kind of great area is just to start with some education but to also start with grace for oneself um, yes. because often we do say we we really will say the wrong thing at some yeah, point you know because course. we we are in this culture we're in this society right. where diet talk is so normalized um body dysmorphia talk is so normalized, you know? Um, and so learning or, or relearning how to retrain our brains, um, it's going to take some time. So I just want everybody to walk in with that, um, at the beginning, just being able to give themselves grace, um, as they start this process. Absolutely. Um, I always say mistakes are inevitable. They're going to happen. It's, What's important is that you figure out whether it's with your partner or your fam- in your family, how, how are you going to handle the mess ups? Yeah. 
And actually, when there's a rupture, repairing Mm -hmm. the rupture can actually make the relationship stronger. Mm -hmm. So I want to remind everyone of that as well, that mess ups are okay because we can always go back and repair whether it happened yesterday or even like 10 years ago, you can always go back and repair. It's never too late. Yeah. I love that. You can repair. You can. Yeah, exactly. Um, Well, so in talking about how to support somebody, I've got a couple of things listed and I just thought maybe we could... um, go through those, yes. talk about those. Um, so I'll just uh, kind of share what I have listed and then let's let's talk about it. Okay. Um, so definitely one of the first things that we can do is educate ourselves. Um, yes. And we can, we can give more tips on how to do that and uh, places to go online or virtually to get some information. Um, another thing we can do is not be afraid to apologize if we have said something wrong, kind of what you were just talking about that repairing, um, it's okay. That's going to be part of the process is that we're going to have to make repairs. Exactly. Um, That's okay. Yes. (laughs) Um, and, and that doesn't mean it's going to be easy, you know, it's going to be a little bit challenging, but, um, making those apologies or repairing is okay. Um, Remembering, and this is my favorite topic, and I think it's uh, pretty great because it's also the title of our podcast, Sam. It's that all bodies and all foods fit. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yes, exactly. And easier said than done. I talk about this with families a lot where I explain, look, we need to make some shifts in the house. All foods are okay. All All of them. All foods are okay. Yeah. And some families right away agree, yes. And then when we actually, when it's go time to execute it, there's some slips, there's some mess ups um, because diet culture is everywhere. It's sort of yeah. ingrained in us, unfortunately. Yeah. And we are not going to, like you said, we're not going to unlearn it overnight. Right. It's going to right. take time. So well, yes, that was all actually all my... Foods. Yeah, all bodies, all foods, and diet culture was my next topic um, or my next kind of thing that we need to be aware of. Our culture encourages us constantly to be on a diet. It encourages us constantly to look a certain way, to be a certain way. And so, you know, knowing how to see that, um, knowing how to gain perspective in as far as what's happening with your current situation um, and how is that um, shaped or influenced by culture um, of today, you know. And then the very right. last point, and then we can jump in and dive in all of these, is to seek professional support. Yes. Um, we don't expect people to know how to um, – automatically support somebody. I mean, we, we don't, right. that's, that makes sense that you might have to reach out even for your own self. If you have somebody in treatment, maybe you go to a support group, you know, there's tons of different places that you can find this stuff. So seeking professional support. So Absolutely. those are kind of the, the topics. Yeah, Sam. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I am so glad you brought that up because it was in the back of my mind the whole time you were talking I mean, it takes like an interdisciplinary team to treat an eating disorder, obviously, um, to put that sort of pressure on yourself, whether you're a parent or a partner, to try to take that on, that I'm going to help my Mm -hmm. loved one get better is just unrealistic. And and so, yes, great reminder that eating disorders, they require professional support. 
Um, And not only, you know, yes, there's a therapist, there's a dietitian, there might be a psychiatrist, not only that, but they need to be, they need to understand eating disorders and be specialized in them. Yeah. So it can't even be just any therapist. It can't really be just any dietitian. Yeah. So specialized professional support, if you're fortunate enough to have access to it. Yeah. is really ideal. It's not I know it's not always possible for everyone unfortunately and that's a whole other episode. Yeah. Um just the disparities in healthcare. Yes. Um but yeah, that ideally we do want an interdisciplinary team. Yeah. That um that's treating the eating disorder and then, you know, levels of care on top of it all, you know. Right. Yeah. There are all different levels of care and it's important to figure out what level of care best matches your needs. Right. Uh, depending on the severity. Yeah. And we do not expect somebody to know that. Of course in, not. You know, right. jumping right in like that. And that's why the um, professional that's specifically trained in eating disorder is so beneficial in this um, because they they will help um, kind of explain what they might be seeing in their professional opinion, what the client might need. Um Right. And they can connect, you know, often they can connect people to, like I was mentioning earlier, those support groups or those um, treatment opportunities or anything like that. Right. You, you know, yeah. one of the first questions I ask m- mothers, fathers, partners, caretakers, what support do you have in place? Mm-hmm. Do you have a therapist, mm-hmm. <laughs> friends, family? Who do you lean on? Because it eating disorders affect not only the person mm-hmm. who has it, but everyone around mm-hmm. them. Yeah. It's scary. It's, yeah. you know, it's anxiety provoking and it is really important that loved ones have their own support in place. Yeah. Because you can't, you can't pour from an empty cup. Yeah. Well, and I think that, you know, loved ones or our support people might not recognize if they haven't had a support system in place or if their loved one needs additional help. You know, a lot of times you and I are both therapists. And so we've seen people walk in our door before, um, who may have walked in with like anxiety or they may have walked in with trauma, um, and come to find out just through extensive work that we've done with them, there also might be an associated eating disorder with this and they might have had absolutely zero idea. And so, um, thankfully you and I, if we see an eating disorder, we can work with that. But if, if there's another therapist that happens to see that and they don't treat that, um, jumping on board with somebody that does could be so helpful and beneficial. Um, and you know, it might be, it might be intimidating initially if somebody didn't realize that they did have an eating disorder, or if they knew that they had some um, patterns that weren't helpful uh, for their system, but they didn't realize that it was an eating disorder. You know, that can be extremely intimidating, not only for the person, but for the support person too. Yeah. Very disorienting. It's, you know, you know, many folks feel like they're they're making healthy choices. It's like, what do you mean this is disordered? Or what do you mean this is an eating disorder? I thought I was living my best life. I thought I was, you know, I making all these lifestyle changes and it turns out that these choices were actually causing mental and psychological harm. Yeah. Yeah. 
that's another episode where it's, you know, yeah. malnourishment, all the psychological yeah. issues that come from malnourishment that people don't realize. It's like, why am I anxious? Why do I have sleep issues? Why are all these happening? Oh, well, you're under eating. That could be part of the reason. Yeah. But yeah, it can be very disoriented, disorienting when someone realizes, oh, this is, this is an eating disorder. And it's scary mm-hmm. because eating disorders are among the deadliest mental health diagnoses out there, mm-hmm. second only to opioid. Right. Overdose. So, right. which I also serious. think is something that um, that that people don't necessarily recognize initially, and and I can understand right. that. But it it is they they may not recognize the severity of it because maybe it's simply been a pattern for right. so many years, or maybe it's it's a new pattern, you know. But um, yeah, it's it's been really cool to see um, people kind of come out of those patterns and start to recognize them, and then the rest of their world right. kind of shift, and maybe um, parts of their health start getting better, you know, mm-hmm. or um, mm-hmm. their immune system, they can fight off colds better, you know, things like that. Right. They have more energy. Yeah, they have more <laughs> yeah. energy because they're being right. nourished, you know. Exactly. Um, so that is a really cool thing to see kind of come out of this, but- but yeah. yeah, it can definitely, I like the word you use, it can be disorienting, not only for um, the person that's being diagnosed, but also for the support people. Um, yes, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. So um, so going back to how, how can you support yeah. your loved one? And you mentioned educating yourself yes. on eating disorders, yeah. which I always um, suggest to families again, when I say families, but I really mean friends, caretakers, yes. really anyone, any, any loved one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The NIDA website, the National Eating Disorders yes. Association, they have great information on there about yeah. eating disorders. There's current research on there. I think yeah. it's so important for folks to educate themselves about eating disorders so they can develop some compassion and empathy for what this person is actually experiencing. This isn't yes. a choice. Yes. This isn't a diet gone wrong, although diets can trigger on the onset of an eating disorder. Um, you know, this is a serious mental health yeah. diagnosis yeah. and it deserves the attention, the medical mm-hmm. and psychological attention that it deserves. And that's why I think it's so important for everyone to learn about eating disorders so that they do understand that this is a mental, a psychiatric mental health diagnosis. Yes. And I will say, you know, also that what comes along with educating ourselves is that, um, I would, I would think like culture tells us sometimes that certain things are normal, right? Or that the only eating disorder is anorexia or that, um, a, a person to be diagnosed with an eating disorder has to look a certain way. Right. And so we, um, we kind of have these blinders in place or just kind of have these ideas of what this looks like, um, the more we can get educated, the more we start to understand that really an eating disorder can impact and affect absolutely any person, regardless of right. um, you know race, size, gender. It does not matter. Right. Um, an eating disorder, this serious psychological dis- mental disorder, can affect anybody. And so, yes, um, educating ourselves also helps us kind of strip away those biases that we've maybe 
held on to that that maybe we didn't even know we were holding on to, you know, just things that we were taught through culture, right. through just living our lives, you know? Right. Um, so the education, yeah, Nita is a phenomenal resource. Um, and I'll also just mention that our Renfrew page, uh, renfrewcenter.com slash library, um, our support people or someone that may have recently been diagnosed, they can go to that um, page as well and get all sorts of information, um, definitions, things explained, um, blog articles, yeah, right. blog articles, ways to talk to your teens, you know, all sorts of stuff for, yes. is, is on there. Yeah. Much more than we can put in, in a 30 minute episode here. Yeah. So yes, that, <laughs> if you want more, that's where to go. I've written quite yeah. a few blogs. I think you have Two Ashley. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you'll see our, our writing there. You'll see our names. Yeah. Yes, you'll see our names. Yes. And education then, is so important. Um, yeah. As a first and, step. Yeah, as the first step. And and I like to I was gonna say, I like to say this when I'm in session uh, with clients and their families. Um, now I'm saying this to you and our great world of podcast listeners. So Um, You know, you're welcome, anybody out there, to take this idea if you want. But I've always told my clients that I'm going to write a book, um, and it's it's going to be the bestseller book, Sam. It's gonna. I have no doubt, Ashley. Um, (laughs) And it's going to be called Life: The Manual, and it's going to be a big (laughs) 500 page book, and it's going to have everything explained in it. And you open that book up, and guess what? What? <laughs> it's blank. <laughs> it's blank. I love it. It's blank. Yes. There's nothing explained. Nothing. Yeah. And that I really just again when I was talking about that that grace piece earlier, like we have got to walk into this um this process knowing that there are gonna be a lot of things that we do have to learn. There are gonna yeah. be a lot of there's a lot of blanks that we will have to fill in, you yes. know. Yeah. Um, a lot of things that we're gonna have to relearn and a lot of times that we're going to um yeah, yeah, over not overstep, but maybe not say the right thing, right? Right. Um, right. Which kind of brings us to our, our next point: don't be afraid to apologize if we say the wrong thing, right? Um, because that's going to happen, you know. It absolutely will, and I'll I'll tell you that in family therapy, when we we have a moment where someone wants to apologize for something, I just want to point out the tremendous amount of healing and bonding. That can happen in that moment. Yes. I've also seen it go the other way where, (laughs) you know, it's, you know, I, I think of apologies as an art. They're really, um, there's a way to do them that can be very healing. And so when they are done in that way, wow. I mean, you really see a relationship strengthen in that moment. It's really remarkable. So yes. Um, I know there's a lot of caregivers out there, maybe partners as well, friends who feel guilty because they feel mm-hmm. like the eating disorder in some way was their fault. Yes. And I just want to put it out there to those folks who are listening. No one can cause an eating disorder. Uh, absolutely. Yes. So let's get rid of that guilt and that yeah. worry. Yes. Because it's not possible. However, 
There are ways that you can make recovery harder for someone who is Mm -hmm. in the process of recovering. Mm -hmm. And so this episode is really about learning the things that make recovery harder, the things that are triggering, the things that are Mm -hmm. activating. So Mm -hmm. I wanted to say that because I I know especially parents are afraid that they've caused it. And there are so many factors that go into the etiology of an eating disorder, genetics, culture, uh, Mm -hmm. psychological, you know, Mm -hmm. biology, all all of it and the brain. So it's not your fault, parents out there. I know you're listening. I'm telling you, it's not your fault. And there are things partners out there. It's not your fault. Or partners. It's not your fault. And there are things that you can choose to change and do differently Yes. To make the home environment a place where recovery thrives yes, rather than a place where an eating disorder thrives. Because of yes. course we can create environments where eating disorders thrive, yes. you know, like the beauty industry, you know, if you're, mm-hmm. you know, in, in that sort of industry or there are certain sports that mm-hmm. are really focused on weight, those are environments where eating disorders thrive, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's make the home environment a place where it's really hard for an eating disorder to grow. Yes. Yeah. Let's let's make the home environment um, encouraging. Let's let's notice when we have the urge to say something. So I'm I'm gonna bring up just a just an example somebody might have in their home. So let's say um, mom and daughter are watching TV and um, they see a celebrity um, who has maybe lost weight, and they mm-hmm. and and mom says, "Oh, look at her! She looks so great! Doesn't she look great? Wow! You know, well, Again, yeah, or wow, she got healthy. Oh, right, That's or wow, she right? got healthy. Yeah, yeah. The assumption Ooh, that weight loss means healthy when we know we cannot tell anything right. about right. health by weight. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, you absolutely cannot tell oh, you anything cannot. about you can't. by somebody's weight. Yeah, right. And so, even noticing when we start sentences like that, when we start um, having conversations like that, um, it is it's very normal in our culture to um, get together and or or if we haven't seen anybody even in a long time. Oh, you look great. What have you been doing? Did you right. lose weight? Like, you know, right. and so even noticing and practicing pausing when we have the urge to express um, something similar or something on those lines, um, right. pausing yes. and not expressing that. Yes. And that and takes practice. That, that does takes take practice. practice. Right. And sometimes yes. we will, we will forget. And so when we're talking about those apologies, like we're, we're talking about really bringing some awareness into the dynamic, into the relationship um, and right. noticing if you have said that to say, oh, you know, so-and-so I'm, I'm so sorry. I think what I may have said may have been, um, it could have been triggering. It could have been hurtful. It could have been uneducated. Um, right. Please accept my apology for this, you know? Um, Yeah. And to imagine in that moment, what it might've been like for them to hear that, that must've been really confusing for you, or that must've been really hurtful. That can really 
add to an apology when you can really put yourself in their shoes and try to imagine what it was like for them. Yeah. So, yeah. So to break it down here, you know, when, when we're talking about, yes, we can talk about comments of the bodies of celebrities. That's a no, no, but also really any kind of comments about weight are Mm -hmm. not okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And that includes those, you know, caregivers or, or, you know, doesn't really matter who it is. That includes negative comments about your own body. Yes. Yes, it does. You know? And so it's one thing to say, oh, I, I never comment on anyone else's body, but if you are making all kinds of negative comments about your own, your loved ones listening to that as well. And you're sending the message that bodies are important. Bodies can, should, can, and should be judged. Yeah. And, um, those, those are the messages that get internalized and the eating disorder especially latches onto those. Oh yes. Those internal negative talk, self-talk messages. Or if you hear, again, if you hear your loved one speaking negatively about themselves, like, oh, well, if, if they don't like themselves the way they are, how am I supposed to like myself? You know, um, absolutely. Those get internalized. And I'll say too, um, just one more thing to add on to that is that if you are supporting your loved one and the two of you go um, to another place, maybe it's a grandparent's house, maybe it's um, another just family member and they start to bring something up, feel free Mm -hmm. to speak up on behalf of your loved one. If they are having a hard time with that too, feel free to say, you know, that is, we, we would label that as diet talk, or we would label that as unhelpful. And we don't need to talk about that because again, just what you were saying, that might be really hurtful for, um, for her or him to hear, you know, that might be really hurtful. So let's not do that. (laughs) Let's not do that, right? It's about being able to create and maintain boundaries. Yeah. And it's okay to have that boundary that I don't talk about my weight or anyone else's weight. Yeah. I just don't do it. So not only with bodies, I want to give some concrete guidance here to our audience. So I always say there's no judgments about body size, weight, shape. Mm-hmm. And also no judgment about food. No judgment about food. And when you right. say that, mm-hmm. what, what comes to mind? Because that to me is mind-blowing. Well, it's interesting because when I bring this up in family therapy, it seems, you know, it seems like a no-brainer to many folks. We're like, okay, sure, no judgments about food. And then in the very next sentence, they'll say, Well, we eat really healthy in our house anyway. <laughs> and I say, Aha, do you see healthy yeah. is actually a judgment? Yeah. Because you're saying that there are foods, by saying that there's healthy foods, you have to also say indirectly that there are unhealthy foods. And so the second we put a judgment on something, what families really need to understand is that the eating disorder, one sentence can play over and over again. Yes. Yes. On a loop. I mean, it is like torture. One comment can just send someone spiraling for the rest of the day. And to say comments like, are you really going to eat all that? Or Mm -hmm. haven't you just eaten? Or are you sure you want to eat that? 
all of those comments stick. Yes. And so families have to take that pause and Mm -hmm. realize that they're doing it. I think a lot of times they don't even realize it's happening, but it can be so hard. Yeah. And just to add on to that, um, I like to explain it in kind of a good food versus bad food, right? Um, Or maybe even we don't label bad food. Maybe we do, but we definitely label the good foods, right? Or you you Mm. mentioned the healthy foods, right? Well, we're really healthy. Well, a lot of times we definitely have that good food label on that. And just backing up a little bit, if we know that an eating disorder is a serious psychiatric mental um, illness, really, like there there is something going on within our brain. We are not connecting dots um, here. Maybe that started with some anxiety. Maybe that started with some trauma. Maybe that started with some depression. And then we come to our food. What is happening is if um, if salads and apples are labeled as the good food, I have to eat salads and apples. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's say I'm traveling and staying at a hotel and they have a continental style breakfast. So they really only have muffins and cereal, right? So I elect to eat the the banana nut muffin instead of grabbing the apple from the continental breakfast. Right. Internally, what happens, what plays out in that message, especially if I am having a challenging time with anxiety, with depression, with PTSD, with kind of anything else, the message that I then receive or send to myself is that I am bad. I have just eaten that bad food and therefore right. I am bad. And right. then we get stuck in this cycle of, of kind of shame and yuck and and I can't find a way out, right? Right, and right. So, and that's when they just get, you know, I mean, we can all just kind of get stuck in that place. And so that's why the good versus the bad, it doesn't, that is the judgment. We need to take that off the table. Yes. No pun intended, but take that off. Right. That is, that is not what... Um, we that's not how we need to view food. Right, right. I I hear families a lot use the term healthy. They also use yeah. the term junk food. I hear this a yes. lot. <laughs> you know, well, we don't keep a lot of junk food in the house. And yeah. I really encourage families to get rid of that word as well. Yeah. We yeah. need I mean, what we teach at Renfrew in eating disorder treatment is for audience is that you can have any food that you want. There's no moral value to the food. Yes. And this applies to all eating disorders, by the way, because some people think, oh, well, I have binge eating disorder. This doesn't apply to me. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, yes, it absolutely does because we have a blog on this as well. But yeah. even so. Even the state of psychological scarcity, to feel like you you can't have something, you shouldn't have something, is the very thing that makes you want it. Yes. Right? Don't and press so, that red button. <laughs> right. And the, the minute you start labeling food as forbidden or yes. bad or unhealthy yes. or a binge food, that creates a psychological mindset that will probably make it more likely that you will binge on that food or Mm -hmm. you will crave that food. You will have intrusive thoughts about that food. Mm -hmm. So this applies to all eating disorders, the restrictive eating disorders, but also binge eating disorder and every eating disorder in between. Yes. 
Yeah. 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 So the, so, so giving ourselves again, all the mindset, all bodies, all foods, all bodies fit, all bodies are welcome. All bodies are beautiful. Here we are. Yes. And so are all foods. There is no moral value to a size of body, nor is there a moral value to a type of food. Exactly. All foods. All bodies, all foods. And what I, another concept I really love is that, you know, we don't have to make our goal to love our bodies. Yeah. Our bodies are going to change. We age, we get, you know, it's, our bodies are never going to meet society standards because society standards always change as well because they're selling something. So, but it's really about, can we respect our bodies and accept our bodies enough to nourish them and to listen to them and give our bodies what they need? Yeah. And I just want to point out, support people, those of you that are listening, somebody that might be dealing with an eating disorder. It's okay if this takes time. Are we yes. are we willing to accept ourselves and nourish ourselves with what we need? We absolutely recognize and and again, this is probably a podcast for a whole nother time. Body image is part of what we work with with eating disorders. And even if we um don't come out and we're saying like, I have the best body in the world. You know, I, right. I'm great. It is okay to still practice accepting where we are. Um, yeah, you know, exactly. Fully. And that takes time. That absolutely takes time. It, it's a journey. It's a process yeah. and it, we're not going to unlearn all of this stuff overnight. Yeah. It took yeah. me years to get to a place with food and with my body where, I arrived at a place of acceptance. Yeah. Years. Yes. Yes. So self-compassion is key. Yeah. Yeah. Self-compassion is is huge here. Yeah. Yeah. And this kind of leads us into our next um, thought, which is culture is a huge factor in in kind of getting us to where we are. And just quickly want to touch on, um, you know, social media. Um, we see that a lot. Our our ages, you mentioned this earlier, um, we're growing and our body is ever evolving, right? And that right. might be challenging, especially in our teen years or, um, you know, maybe we've just had a kid and our body has changed in that respect, you know, right. Um, right. our bodies are ever changing. And so, um, so just noticing um, kind of the influences of culture of maybe social media um, can be really helpful um, as we focus on where to go from here. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Ashley. This was a really good conversation. Yeah, this was so good. I'm so, I'm so glad we could talk about this and um, just want to continue to encourage everyone. um, That self-compassion piece is just, it's huge and it's so necessary. Um, And it's okay that you, you know, we don't necessarily we don't know everything right off the bat. Um, right. So this is this is the dance that we get to do with our loved ones. We get to learn their needs and we get to unlearn and relearn some things that we need to know. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks so much. All right, Sam, thanks. Thank you for listening with us today on All Bodies, All Foods. 
presented by the Renfrew Center for Eating Disorders. We're looking forward to you joining us next time as we continue these conversations.